Hello everyone, welcome to the Attitude Era Podcast, Bono Episode Fever. I, I don't know if we can actually call this a Christmas episode. It's, no. It's been released it's around Christmas. Yeah, that does not make it a Christmas special. But uh, the Attitude Era provides scant Christmas viewing. I mean, we can't yeah, do a whole really episode much. on that time Austin stood in Santa. Or that time that Lita wore a bikini and a Santa hat and looked really, really awkward. Yeah, when she awkwardly seduced Steve Malenko, but none of that, sadly. Christmas memories. Christmas memories of the Attitude Era. Unfortunately, we have tasked ourselves with this Christmas episode of... Uh, <laughs> Reviewing No Mercy 1999, and before you go, oh, is that the one where there was the rattlesnake and uh, no. all the madness and no. the, the ladders and all that? No, no it's actually uh, the UK pay-per-view No Mercy, which yeah. was uh, the first instance they had used the No Mercy name, but they used it for this UK pay-per-view. It's a shame when they put the No Mercy name to it, you expect a real pay-per-view. Or you expect the you know, N64 awesomeness going to go on. You expect something to happen. You expect some level of, uh, of quality. quality. But no, it's one of the UK pay-per-views, and has sadly and weirdly now become a tradition. That means that myself, Kevin, and uh, Mr. Adam Bibolo, Hello. you, are going to be attacking this one without uh, the help of Mr. Billy Keeble, who is home for Christmas. Adam, looking forward to talking about No Mercy. No. <laughs> no, I am not. Have you not got a lot to say about this one? I have got a lot to say about this one. Doesn't mean I'm looking forward to saying those things. Alrighty, well, sit back, relax, grab yourself a glass of eggnog. We're about to listen. <laughs> it's not Christmas special. He's trying. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. <laughs> Poorly booked, no mercy pay per view. All right, all right. It's No Mercy, the UK pay per view. defends the WWF title against Triple H and The Undertaker in a triple threat match. Nothing more than a glorified handicap match. You know why? Because Shane McMahon sits up. No WWF champion has ever had the odds against him. No mercy. The Undertaker, Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The WWF is Foremost, I should say, this is called No Mercy the Pay-Per-View, but what I've actually titled uh, myself when I was taking my notes was Take a Shot Every Time They Say No Mercy. Oh god, seriously. I've always loved pay-per-views that have had, like, they don't have any more, they the gimmick pay-per-views, they don't have pay-per-views that are basically phrases. Oh yeah, this will be your judgement day There will Sunday. be no way out for you. It's gonna be Armageddon. I'm gonna summer slam you really, <laughs> really hard and you will be all out. But yeah, no mercy. Man, they're enamored with it. I think the reason they went and they ran with this and used it again, the same year you had two no mercies. Yeah. It's quite confusing. But I think the rationale was is that they were like, fuck, no mercy. What that, a great name. That's brilliant. Yeah, like, let's you know. say it as many times as possible. And I, my good lord, I started at the start of this when we were watching it, taking note of how many times they said no mercy. I might as well have tried to keep count of every adverb they used. Yeah. It's just so fucking many. Constantly there. Introduction there, yeah. running down the old corporate ministry, which of course is a story that we're, we're in the midst of at the moment. Undertaker and Triple H will be challenging Steve Austin for the belt. And it's funny that within like a week 
of bringing out the corporate ministry. They're already teasing, you know, dissension in the yeah, ranks. Yeah, Triple and H that. and Taker are going to fight each other. Triple H and Taker have like barely like locked eyes in this group. It's so big, yeah. you know. I could say by the numbers, this. Yeah, this oh yeah. The, the, the package. It feels like they're trying this time at least. Like it feels like they're actually trying to make it into a bit of a pay per view. But Jesus Christ, they fail. Yeah, it's so fucking boring and low grade and just. Really lackluster, there's nothing special here. Well, the real thing that I find quite lackluster about this pay-per-view, before we kind of get into the meat of it, is the roster that they have for this. By the end of the pay-per-view, I noticed that you're not going to see people like The Big Show, or The Rock, yeah. or Test, the or Ken Shamrock. People I've been putting over on TV and trying to make them the new stars. With the exception of, of Mankind and, and, and Austin, you know, you don't have any of the union or any of the... No, you're right. Instead, we get... Uh, well, you'll see who we get, but... Oh, um. <laughs> It was a very by-the-numbers opening that we had in this, though. Just really kind of meh, you know, nothing nothing special. No Freddie Blassie, nothing like that. But we're in Manchester for a little bit of mayhem. See what I did there? Clever. Do you notice we had the Day of the Tentacle kind of swirly graphics at the start? Yeah, it just doesn't fit wrestling. What were is you this? expecting a bunch of newspapers to come at you? When they're... I, was, I thought you were playing Psychonauts for a second. I couldn't actually tell. <laughs> Jim Ross opens it up here, he's ringside with Jerry the King Lawler, refers to this as one of the most eagerly anticipated events ever. Lying! Lying through his teeth! Lying straight out the side of Jim his Jim Ross, shame on you. Uh, you know how after we get an opening package, we normally get like, the sweeping shots of the, the crowd yeah, and like, yeah. signs and stuff? One of the first signs the camera focuses on to sort of set up the whole night, Stone Cold is sex on legs. This is going to be a really weird pay-per-view. He's not sex on legs. The, well, this one person says that he is. You and I were watching the thing recently, the hype-up video for the uh, Bret oh, Hart, for, uh, Steve Austin Survivor Series. Yeah. You know, Bret, the whole world knows that you quit the WWF because you lost to Shawn Michaels. The pretty boy. The boy toy. Kicked your ass back to Canada. You couldn't face yourself and you can't couldn't face you. Ran away in shame. You should have picked another time to come I back, son. No sexy when the boy. bell rings and it's time to get down to business, I'm going to take seven years of frustration and being pissed off out on your ass. And Austin says, in no uncertain terms in that promo, I ain't no sexy boy. I don't wear pink tights. <laughs> this ain't no ballet. But okay, here we go. Opening up, it's the corporate ministry. Oh. All coming out, evil, dark, here brooding. Shane's wearing a black suit. Undertaker's all, all evil. Triple H. Dressed where, like an asshole. He's got his tennis shoes on. Yep. His, uh, his, his jeans. His fucking No Mercy pay-per-view t-shirt. From the concession stand outside. If you wear the t-shirt of the pay-per-view, or the upcoming pay-per-view, that just screams fucking jobber. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be doing the J-O-B tonight, no doubt. I mean, that's Tommy Dreamer, you know, yeah. hardcore champion levels. <laughs> Did he not get the memo about the corporate dressing? Like, you know, the way you have to dress. Corporate ministry. Exactly, yeah. Vinnie yeah. Jones, that's, that's the template. Exactly. Leather, black, emotional, and like that. And, if appropriate, a gold chain. Yeah. But instead, Triple H comes out here. I was expecting him to high-five the fans when he was coming down. <laughs> and then when he comes in the ring, do you know that jobber thing where they, like, point to the crowd <laughs> raise their arm as their name is announced over someone else's music so we get quite the procession here because you've got all these guys in the corporate ministry and you know you've got the likes of viscera coming out now wearing a bin bag i thought he looked like a cartoon bomb you know like a big black one with a fuse coming out the top <laughs> he looks ludicrous oh man it's not the last time we'll see viscera tonight but he does look the the moo moo 
Whoever it, it's said to him, it's disgraceful, isn't it? Because I mean, he used to, you know, these at the start he was wearing like just the the vest and the big pants, and or, waistcoat, like, grand, whatever. But the moo yeah. Who seriously? Who saw him seriously. and thought moo moo? And when you say moo it's not fabric either. It's like plastic. It is basically bin bag material, yeah. isn't it? He looks horrific. I'm actually smells horrific <laughs> as well. Okay, are you ready for the first of several Shane McMahon No Mercy promos? Well, we today? like Shane McMahon, so let's uh, let's hear him out. I love I love Shane. Yeah. Shane, I think I've frequently said I don't think there's anyone who went from like being introduced as a character to just being like it's like just clicking straight away because he came in around Survivor Series and immediately it was like he'd been, you know, he'd been there all along mm. you know because he just he fit into everything perfectly but what was going on here before you stands the greatest assembly the most powerful force the most unmerciless the most unmerciless force ever assembled here in the World Wrestling Federation and tonight, the corporate ministry's no mercy mission of destruction begins. We will have no mercy on any of our opponents. We will have no mercy for those foolish enough to cross our paths. And tonight's mission of destruction begins with three individuals. Uh-oh. Listen to this chant, JR. I hear it loud and clear. Tonight's mission begins, like I said, with three individuals known as The Brood, Christian, Edge, and Gangrel, defectors from the ministry. Defectors? But tonight, Brood, there will be no mercy on your souls because tonight you face the Acolytes and Viscera. Oh, Viscera with 30 stones, 500 pounds. Tonight's mission continues. As Midian, the all-seeing entity of the corporate ministry, will show no mercy to you, Cain, because Cain, Midian, will give you the beating of your life. All order, I'll tell you. And that brings us to a special matchup here this evening, and that is for the WWF European Championship. Uh-oh. has been brought out of retirement and put on the line. Because tonight, as your European champion, I promise I will show no mercy on you, X-Pac, because everybody knows I can take you. I told you Shane was a fighting champion. You better be. And now let's talk about tonight's main event for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Oh yeah. You see, The Undertaker and Triple H will have no mercy on your soul, Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, no, no. You see, I have added a special stipulation for tonight's triple threat main event. What? And that stipulation is for the World Wrestling Federation Championship it will now be governed under no 
Hold balls rules. He fucking sucks tonight. This isn't the last time we'll see Shane McMahon tonight, and uh, no, we see him a lot tonight. And good lord, he stinks! Like he's really. But we had the theory that he's probably jet lagged uh, and tired. De- definitely, jet lag is something which we had mentioned before at like yeah, you know, that's Capital the only thing I can think of. Manchester, because you got to remember now when they come over for a, you know a Raw taping or a SmackDown taping, you know they'll do Raw, they'll do SmackDown, but of course they'll do Wales, Scotland, they'll do Northern Ireland, they'll they do Ireland. Time to... They they do a you know they and they'll usually put the TV taping in the middle of that. And they have time to get used to the, yeah, the hour change. But here it was just like pads. over back, everyone is sleepy and cranky. Yeah. So Shane starts off by addressing the brood. Mm. Um, you know, the brood. <laughs> Who was like before? There was the Undertaker. <laughs> We're going to take on this Shane McMahon is no more. <laughs> So there's no mercy for the brood tonight, anyway. Apparently according not. To, uh, as they're going to be taking on uh, over 40 stones of the corporate ministry. According to JR, yeah. yeah. 40 stones. Jim Bless Ross him. He working at the metrics. Just doesn't know, does he? Then he refers to Kane, who says there'll be no mercy for him either tonight. See where this is going. Because yeah. there'll be no mercy when Kane takes on Midian. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Is that the... The biggest heavy hitter the corporate... Apparently, that's the best they can throw up against Kane. The one thing that the corporate ministry was never sure of was guys. Yep. And it's like, because think about it, they don't have the posse and they don't have boss man either as no. well. So again, we're running victim of this weird, depleted roster. Some of the matchups tonight are just... Bizarre. Amazingly bizarre. Median is referred to as being an all-seeing entity. Sure. Let's see if he can see his future and see where his head is. <laughs> He just seems like he looks into the future and just says Crave has nothing for you. <laughs> or he looks into the future and just him with no pants on going, Wait, there's something wrong here. I'm... Oh, fuck, I forgot about that game. Like, can... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say no more. I don't want Billy finding out. That was a little glimpse into the future there. But anyway, Shane then talks about um, he's reinstating the European title, the title which he, of course, defended successfully at WrestleMania. And then because Shane was, you know, not an active wrestler, it, it hadn't been kind of officially stated, but it just been assumed that. It was kind of deactivated. It just vanished, yeah. Shane pops open the blazer. I always love that, the McMahon's when they open the blazer and like, ah! <laughs> the belt underneath. The belt underneath. So Shane says he's reinstating his European title tonight and he's defending it against X-Pac. And guess what? Guess what he's got for X-Pac? Go on. Nice Christmas gift for X-Pac. All ripped up there, a nice bow on it. Open up, what is it? Oh, it's no mercy! More no mercy! No mercy for There's you, X-Pac. so little mercy this evening, isn't there? Do you ever... It's like Alan Partridge when, you know, he's got everyone shop-soiled uh, Terry's chocolate oranges. <laughs> everyone has got one, regardless of who you are. Shane found somewhere that was selling no mercy really cheap and he got some for everyone then, basically. But there's no mercy for Steve Austin as well. But the only difference is... Steve Austin's No Mercy isn't shop soiled. Shane bought that for him, actually, out of his real money. I'll tell you the reason why there's going to be No Mercy for Steve Austin. Because as Shane McMahon himself said, the main event tonight, the triple threat match, is now going to be a no-hold-bars match. No-hold-bars?! All the hold-bars are gone. Oh my god. (laughs) What? So bad. This is terrible. Shane McMahon actually starts stuttering over his words. Yeah, which is just I I didn't think it was possible for Shane McMahon to have a bad promo. Really cringeworthy. I feel so bad for him watching this. Shane McMahon has got all. He's laid out the whole card, and you better change your strategy. <laughs> yeah. So well, we, at least that's over with now. We can get to our first match of the night, can't well, we? Well, before that, we've got the title card for the uh, the main event: Austin Triple H versus a black tent slash wigwam. <laughs> 
<laughs> Undertaker looks fucking stupid. This black triangle in the corner of the card. Uh, Jim Ross running down the card. Right behind him, there is a giant "I wish I was a lesbian" sign. What's going what on? What does that even mean? It's such a bad omen. This everything like we're only five oh. minutes in, and everything. I'm like, oh no, I got a bad feeling about this. Promos are bad. Shane was bad. The crowd seems bad. The commentary's been bad with thirty stones. <laughs> it's it's not looking good. We've not it's even reached really, our first match yet. It's a really bad omen. Yeah. So. Co-opening us up here, nice hot opener, you know, some of the uh, bright young talents, the, the young studs of the World Wrestling Federation, it's only Tiger Alley. God damn it! Versus Gilbert! Fucking hell! Who booked this? She, how is this the opening match? Tiger Alley and just, the last time he wrestled was Capital Carnage. Did they leave him behind? I think they're just picking him up now. And he's hitchhiked from the London Arena to Manchester over the last six months. Oh my good lord! And to sweeten the deal, as Tiger Ali Singh is on his way to the ring, you can hear just one of my favourite things Jim Ross has ever said. He goes, "Tiger Ali Singh is set to take on Goldberg, or should I say Gilbert?" <laughs> Talk about all the subtlety of the joke is gone. There's, I love when like a parody is so good, you accidentally mix it up with the real you thing. You accidentally outright state what you're parodying. Like when Joey Styles accidentally called the Blue Meanie Scott Hall that one time. <laughs> Speaking of Tiger Alley seeing, I think there's a there's there's one thing which is apparent throughout the night. This pay per view is only two hours long, mm. even though you're paying full whack for it if you're getting it on Sky Box Office. Mm. There's a lot of time killing tonight. Oh gee, seriously, everyone's dawdling. And we get a good thirty seconds before Ty- of Tiger Ali sings music before he decides to come out. Yeah, it's kind of like in in like a dark place or like that, where like every scene that doesn't have dialogue is they're considering for slow motion just to to pad everything <laughs> out. So uh, Tiger, when he's coming out, spits gum at a fan and then cuts another one of his good old-fashioned raise the roof, let's get some race hate going in the UK. Yeah, once again relying on the race, but this time it's a little bit more ham-fisted. As I look over this British sea of wasted humanity, I get the distinct impression that all of you don't like me. Well, maybe it's because instead of wrestling, all of you maybe think that I should be driving a taxi cab. (laughs) No, 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 no. That's just your ignorant, stereotypical view coming through. Because the truth will be known that my people, and especially me, the royal one, are better than all of you. Let's face it, I'm more richer, I'm more powerful, and yes, let's not forget, I'm way better looking. (laughs) The only saving grace that England has... Hey, don't you ever do that again. What? The only saving grace that England has is that it is populated by millions, and I mean millions, of my fellow East Indian and Asian people. (laughs) Because without them, all of you would be nothing more than a group of uneducated, illiterate cesspool of human waste. 
Tiger Ellison, being from the continent of Asia, has some stern words for the Manchurian uh, people. First of all, he says, uh, is there something about taxi cabs saying that... Um, they were expecting to see him driving a taxi cab or something, what with him being Asian. <laughs> but he says, you shouldn't be thinking that because, and I quote, I'm more richer than you. Well, he's got you there. <laughs> he's got money, but he hasn't got taste or brains. It's amazing that he's got money considering his lack of pay-per-view appearances recently. Where's all this money coming from? Who knows? I mean, he's he's, he's a rich man. You know, he's from you know East Asia, mate. You know, yeah. the, the continent of Asia. But the streets are paved with gold. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that annoys me is that it's not just him being a heel; it's the crowd buying into it again. Because he goes, "The one saving grace of England is that it's populated by millions, and I mean millions, of my fellow East Indian and Asians." And everyone just goes, "Boo, boo, boo minority." He's, he's got like a big boy piece of paper with his census on the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before he can continue anymore, uh, running down the the good English people or or. Playing up to their uh, their fears and sensibilities, Gilbert comes out, and because obviously the the, the motif of the night, besides no mercy, is no wasted moment, <laughs> killing all the time in the world. We get the full knock on the door. Oh. Gilbert comes out. Rah! It's so long. I was I, in fact, I, I swear, there's even a bit where like when they knock on the door, they have to wait a couple of seconds for him to even come out. Everything takes forever. I was in hysterics. I mean, because it's funny, like, but I, I mean, come on, we get it already. Seriously, he doesn't have to go on for I that think long. The thing, the, the thing about Gilbert is that you actually saw him so seldomly. You know, I mean, he was there. He was the light heavyweight champion, and he was on, under contract for ages. But he only had like less than a dozen matches in his whole run. Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose seeing him in like a in a pay per view like this is is kind of funny. But uh, you know what I love about this as well is we get the pumped in Gilberg chance. Gilberg, which was there um, pointing the finger that apparently WCW used to pump in the Goldberg. Did they chance. really? That there were certain parts of the country where they would you know bring where they would go on tour, and obviously Goldberg was massively over. But there were certain towns, maybe some of the old hotbeds or some like smart crowds who didn't like Goldberg, so they just play them in like that pathetic but uh, I think that that uh, you know that is that's that's an example of a smart parody there that's where it's kind of like yeah yeah you know because even if you don't understand what it's specifically going and you kind of go oh this guy Goldberg that's a, a subtle goof. little knock at Goldberg going the Goldberg coming out <laughs> that is not a, a subtle parody and while he's on his way to the ring now we have our grunt of the night oh my already. goodness Goldberg I nearly did it myself then <laughs> I nearly called him Goldberg <laughs> mate I'm seeing double here four Goldbergs you know I mean it's Gilberg yelling on the ramp, just non-stop. <laughs> I know that's not a real grunt, but this is the best I got tonight, seriously. Even the pay-per-view is not very good for grunts. Okay, so we actually get something very strange at the start of this match. We started right off the gates, big spear from Gilberg. Gilbert on offense yeah, he takes it to Tiger Ali C and then I Tiger Ali C uh, while he's down on the ground Gilbert says he's gonna call for the uh, call for the jackhammer you know and but sure goes, over, goes over and uh, Tiger Ali C botches a kick completely whiffs him and here's the thing Sometimes when you whiff a move, it's kind of like you're swinging, you know, they're far away, and you just misjudge it. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes it can happen, you've seen it with Daniel Bryan and Punk sometimes, they do the spin kick, mm. and they, they're actually, their back is turned by the time their leg is going around. So they don't so, realise. So if they miss the guy, they don't realise. Yeah. Now, if you miss, you can kind of work around and kind of go, oh, I missed, and hit him again straight away. Yeah. Tiger only seeing, locked on, right in front of him, has got Gilbert. He's meant mm. to kick him in the back, and he still misses. Now... 
there has to be some sort of medical condition when you can have such little awareness of the the, the space your body occupies. I, I'm sorry, but I, I think you're maybe reading too much into this for what is essentially a lack of talent. From he, a a shocking <laughs> lack of talent. <laughs> Seriously. He hits his neck breaker, gets the win. He had two moves in this match and he botched one of them. Yep. And you wouldn't mind, <laughs> he's had a bit of time to think about what he's done because the last time he wrestled was fucking Capital, Capital Carnage, yeah. you know. Anything of note. Good God in heaven, what is going Hopefully on? Hopefully we don't see him again anytime soon. <laughs> One thing I will say, though, the crowd was nuclear for that match. Actually, yeah. Really despite, hot. Despite me being confused as to that being the opener, it certainly got the crowd going, which is really weird. Maybe they just like seeing a minority getting pummeled. Perhaps that's what it is. Who knows? I mean, I always felt bad for the, the UK fans because... They would get one show a year, and they would always give them the most... Because the ones we've seen, Mayhem in Manchester, Capital Carnage, so far with this. They always give them the worst fucking shows. And yet, every time they come out, they're still great, and they're hot fans at the start. It's like, you know, you couldn't ask for a better, like, more... Forgiving crowd. It's like the crowd is determined to have a good time, no matter yeah. what WWE. And WWE are determined to like not have any of this. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin is shown arriving backstage wearing his jumper. There he is. Austin three sixteen says, "I don't want to get a chill." It's Austin's day off. He looks like a dad. <laughs> I just took my echinacea. Got a tickle in my throat. <laughs> so uh, we got a title card, but it looks like four men in sunglasses taking on the acolytes. <laughs> but no, it's the Broods taking on the corporate ministry. We got a nice promo package detailing this Very random to get a promo package for a six-man tag. I can't help but think that this was their idea that there might be a bit of a mini push for the Brood following them breaking away from the uh, the ministry. Yeah, it seems like it. Obviously, this was made before the promo they did on SmackDown. Oh, they completely killed themselves, didn't they? Beware. Take Take care. care. Because the freaks come out at night. (laughs) Oh, God. The Brood... I don't want to say they've been ruined for me. They have been ruined for me. Have they? I will say it. They have been ruined for me because I love the brood. You just but, had to review that episode. But then of when, when they come out uh, and like you see them walking down the ramp and Gangrel's got his big smile on his face, all I can hear is Gangrel going. Yeah. <laughs> you see, it was forbidden by the Undertaker. As we've continued our search. Viscera, Farouk, and Bradshaw representing the corporate ministry, taking on Gangrel, Edge, and Christian. The state of Viscera here. Fucking hell. I can't believe this man is a wrestler. Jim Ross <laughs> refers to him as the heavy hitter of the corporate ministry. Nah, mate, he's just fucking heavy. <laughs> I was going to say, he's in the room with Bradshaw and Farouk. He's not the heavy hitter. No, he's not. He's he's what we used to... All right, back in the day, all right, in my school, he's what we used to refer to as a frail whale. <laughs> all right? Now, if you're a proper fat fuck, you're the kind of guy who can go to Pizza Hut, you know, put your chair beside the buffet and just go to town. Frail whale like Visser is the kind of guy who go in and like have two pieces, then he'd be like, Oh I am full and he's just a big gas bag, like there's no there's no power behind that fat, yeah, you know? Yeah. Whereas someone like Bradshaw, bit of a gush, couple you know, a small pair of breasts. <laughs> He could put away, like, you know... You he could have a good six stakes in one Yeah, there's there a proper chunker right yeah. there, you know. So anyway, Viscera, 36 stone as well. Apparently. 36 stone! That's, that's quite a big man. That's two Johnny Vegases. <laughs> that's a lot of fucking wrestler. <laughs> he looks like, you know, in Looney Tunes when they have, like, a giant anvil or a big one-ton weight just dropped on someone. That's essentially what essentially what Viscera is to the They say team. that black is slimming, you know, because obviously Viscera is wearing well, all black. Imagine if he came out dressed in white. He'd fucking Jesus Christ. <laughs> Gangrel and Ed start things off uh, working over Viscera. They do a million elbows on Vis. Yeah. I like that. Give him a heart attack. You know, the, <laughs> you 
<laughs> yeah, but Jerry Lawler calls out Dolph Ziggler now on commentary every time he does that move. Does he really? So, yeah, he's like, oh, that move killed me once. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think that makes Dolph feel? But anyway, uh, you know, you have pretty decent action here. These are yeah, it's pretty good. Five actually. guys in this match are I'm, I'm fans of, to be honest. And Viscera is kept pretty hidden in this. He's not. He doesn't make too much of a chump. Well, mate, you only, you only bring out the heavy hitter when you really need him. You know, <laughs> Farouk hits his six spine buster, which I will go on record to say is one of my favorite moves of all time. He knows how to put a proper snap into it, doesn't he? Christian starts making a comeback, and Bradshaw cuts him right off, and then we have the Ministry just going to town on him, double teaming and whatnot. Mm. I have to say, I don't know if I've really articulated this so far in the podcast, but uh, I'm a really, really, really massive fan of like Bradshaw's offense and all that. And I don't know, like I don't think he gets the credit because you know, like you know, the the, the stereotypical smart fans and all that. They're like you know, they mm. love Japanese wrestling and the, the strong style and all that. But Bradshaw was never considered to be in that category. He didn't like, spend any significant time in Japan or whatnot. But he's such a throwback to the likes of you know Stan Henson mm. and Doctor Death and all that. He really, actually, if anyone on the roster, you know, obviously people like Taka as well. But he really is like that kind of really hard hitting fucking strong style guy yeah. like you know I, it's, it's really nice to know that because um, there's so many guys we've seen in the podcast here where it's like ah oh, X-Pac he never really you know never really went anywhere in the, at the top of the card and neither did D'Lo Brown but it's nice to know that Bradshaw we've got this massive appreciation for him and then like 10 years down the line he will actually finally get to be a main eventer because it, of it. is pretty cool to actually see that Bradshaw is one of the few cases of a guy that really just bided his time yeah stuck around and you know they knew he was you know he, he had the skill set so they just kind of you know wait until there was the, the moment that they needed some the of the opening and that was, that was pretty cool but yeah Bradshaw is, is great here and he, he manages to shine despite the fact that he is given possibly one of the most faceless gimmicks of the Attitude yeah. Era at this moment obviously when they become APA a lot of personality but right now it's just him and Farouk with their hands on their hips basically just henchmen but they're they're over because of the what they do in the ring now a recurring thing which happens tonight in nearly every fucking match Corporate Ministry coming out but not before we get a hot tag to Gangrel well you say hot tag I, I mean if we're going to go back to the Nando's sauce scale here, I really hope of, we are of, going back to the Nando's we are going to go back to that Boom. right now it's, it's kind of like the mixed herb sauce because at first you think oh this is a little bit spicy but then you soon realise actually it's not that spicy at all there's no substance to it yeah really. it's just a little bit watery really so like it starts off really really great and then it's just eh. fizzles out yeah it just has like two big moves and no then, depth to the hot tag yeah then he's just tagged in and it carries on as normal but at the same time there um, King's obviously bored on commentary <laughs> talking about how Manchester United showed no mercy to the Spurs earlier on today Spurs got no mercy obviously boo <laughs> Just stop trying, Jerry. God, they're enamored with this no mercy thing. Aren't Seriously, they? we get a double DDT on Bradshaw by the Brood off the off the ropes, which is quite impressive. And then Midian hits a DDT on Gangrel on the outside. Night mm. of DDTs, big DDT night. But don't worry, we missed the finish. Yep, the vision mixer wasn't paying any attention and the camera wasn't looking at the finish, so we didn't get to see what happened. And you know what the finish was, what we missed? What? A clothesline from hell! Fuck damn sake! It. I would have liked to have <laughs> seen one. that! That's like my favourite move! Yeah! God damn! And then, uh, so corporate ministry win via yeah. chicanery, and then Shane repeats his shot. Oh. One down, three to go, you better change your strategy. No mercy. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. mercy, no chance. When did, no chance... Yeah, that, no chance. What happened to that? That was such a great little catchphrase. No, Why did they get rid of it? I don't know. WWE, no chance would be a pretty crap day for a pay-per-view, <laughs> though. 
So we get a promo now. Well, the promo might be a little bit... You say promo. It's a music video, essentially. It's hyping up the return of Steve Blackman, who's been injured for most of 1999 so far. Blackman coming back now. He's been given a new gimmick, although it doesn't really come out in this match. We'll see it in our next episode, King of the Ring. But the new gimmick that Blackman has been given is that of the lethal weapon. And now he's just this kind of silent assassin. Before he was just kind of like a do-gooder, but now he's kind of like a, a, a hand for hire, so to speak. And we'll see a lot of cool shit with this. And I think the whole silent but deadly uh, persona fits Blackman a lot better. Because he can't really cut great promos. Comments from Test. I know Steve Blackman, there's something you have to say. You bet your ass there is. Shamrock, it's real simple. I'll step into your world, the lion's den. If. You step into mine, and that is weapons all around the cage, and anyone bad enough to get one can use it. So, this way this thing's got to end, one way or another! And I think just his intensity and you know, his stare and stuff like that, and just the fact that he has weapons, this persona fits it better. That's fair enough that, you know, he's been injured for almost all of 99, he's got a new persona, he's got a new gimmick. And how do we hype cool. that up? None of this is explained. <laughs> they didn't explain that he'd been away for injury. Like, um, Jim Ross says, so let's take a look at like a returning Steve Blackman. I That's think. it. Yeah. Let's take a look. And, and then, then what they... we get is a black and white music video package where it's just like... It's his music. Steve Blackman just working out and then just like... What fighting. I expected, and that's it. That's literally it. Nothing. What I expected to happen is, I thought it was like a SmackDown Two uh, PlayStation. You're gonna see thing. him step, and he in was front just gonna like walk it because it was his Titan tried him like walking around, loads yeah. of flashes going off and all that. Another example of filling time tonight. Yeah, I think totally. so. And here we go. It's our next match: Steve Blackman taking on Draws. And I think, given the fact that they clearly had plans for Blackman. It was silly for them just to cart him out and not really have him do the new persona or yeah, the, new, the new gimmick. There's no big return now. He really he's is just... in no man's land here because yeah. they know that he's different. He's he's back, but he's just not. He's actually he's not the doing same. anything. But different. next night on Raw, he'll be completely different. It's it's ridiculous. This is the first time I've really noticed. I mean, I think you said a minute ago that he had the, the dead eyes, but yeah. I actually couldn't agree less. I think Steve Blackman has got one of the kindest faces in really? wrestling. Really? I think he's got such a nice sort of like happy. Hey, uh, can I help you with your groceries? Kind of. You know, he just looks like a nice guy by his face. Really? Yeah, he hasn't got the dead eyes of uh, Severin or the scary face of Shamrock. He just looks like a nice guy to me. I'd like to go for a sandwich with Steve Blackman sometime. <laughs> So Draws is coming out. No Prince Albert with them, um, which is which oh is, no, what a shame. We don't it, get Albert. Here. We wouldn't have gone through the metal detector and, uh, <laughs> and the security like he's bringing his, his little briefcase. Imagine that going his through tools. the uh, his tools go through. What is that? Well, I thought maybe I might pierce foul Venus. <laughs> you know, great silence descends. The crowd just. Out of, I, th- I think the last match was just the. The crappy chicanery at the end. And, and Shane killing the crowd with another promo. The crowd just, they're done. They're completely yeah, done. Already. Three matches in, they're finished. Great silence descends. And uh, there was great silence for a while. There was nothing. And then the horns. Oh, and the horns came in droves. And the horns came. The uh, merciless horns. Can we just include quite a lengthy clip here so that people can realise oh, just how much horns there are here? They pulled out all the stops there. Sam McMahon sending in Midian to make sure that the acolytes, wait a minute, the acolytes in, in the viscera were victorious, and they were in that first matchup. Well, of course, Shane McMahon is not going to come out here in front of the whole world and proclaim that he's going to show no mercy and then have to eat his words right off the bat. You know that ain't going to happen. <laughs> I have to say, 
Nothing ruins wrestling quite like air horns. It's just so rude. Do they screen people for air horns these days? Because no one ever brings them anymore. But I think, is it just the case that everyone, it's an unspoken thing. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah don't fucking ruin the wrestling. You could surely sneak an air horn in if you yeah. want to. Like, oh. I reckon it's just people aren't dicks as much. Imagine nowadays. if you're wrestling a match and everyone's just doing air horns. For, for literally like five minutes straight and everyone's just doing it. No one's paying attention to the wrestling anymore. You can see people in the crowd like turning around and looking at who's got the air Trying horns. Trying to find the horns. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's shocking. Very basic match. Very yeah. straightforward. You know, Batman does a cool couple of cool spin kicks. But other than that, there's nothing, anything of note really in this. I, I get the impression Dross is trying because he keeps being like really loud and vicious heel. Like, come on, Blackman, come on, you punk. He's trying his best to actually make something happen. But I think, just, yeah, I mean, Dross's new persona is that he's kind of meant to be like more mouthing off and stuff like that. And more more obviously heel but again it's just you know you can't just throw out two random guys for a show like this you know it's yeah I mean it's very much a non-match it's grand if it's a house show because you're not broadcasting that to people at home you're trying to convince people this is a pay-per-view and this yeah, is the kind of match you're putting on you know, here's my highlights of this match I um I made a roaring fire which uh, <laughs> kept us nice and warm for the rest of the evening and uh, I looked over at one point and Kevin checked his emails I did so uh, great match great match Blackman <laughs> wins with the armbar moving on jeez oh my goodness oh my damn I did not think we get to talk about this. Oh, Jesus, it's this, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, you want to talk about the last place that you should have run one of these vignettes. I'm talking about Beaver Cleavage. Uh. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. This what mother's little boy is looking for? This mother's little hairy beaver wants some of mother's milk. So there we go. Have a little bit of a beaver cleavage promo there. Uh, the whole gimmick is, is that he's meant to be... Um, you know, taking off the, the Leave It to Beaver, uh, the old 50s sitcom from right. way back in the day, which, again, I would question the logic of playing it over in the UK, where in that show... In the 90s. In the 90s, four years after it was never broadcast. <laughs> Jim Ross actually goes when they come back from going, oh, that was uh, from uh, Leave It to Beaver. Uh, oh, my taking off there. It's a kind of a parody that we're... You know, it's, Two parodies he's had to explain tonight. If you have tonight. to explain the parody... <laughs> We've been pilot. over this. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> so beaver cleavage. We had we've been pretty down on the headbangers. You know, the headbangers is one of those things that it's an interesting gimmick and it's a memorable gimmick. But I think the match quality, the promos, it was never really there from what yeah. we've seen anyway. And I mean, I would argue I don't think they were ever over. You know, at least no. in the periods that we were watching anyway, no one gave a fuck, flying fuck about them. They flip flop between face and heel. No one cares either way. They didn't have heat when they were heels, and they didn't have the crowd with them when they were faces. So the decision was made that they were going to split up the headbangers. Nothing was given for headbanger Thrasher. Headbanger Mosh was given Beaver Cleavage. Or should I say, Harry Beaver Cleavage. And he's got a mother, and the mother was his mom, and the whole thing was that there was an implied incest thing geez i wonder who wrote this yeah. was it dutch mantel <laughs> no it was it was a mind the horrible brainchild of vince and the two vinces vince russo and vince mcmahon now allegedly where the original idea for this came the horrible seed that 
spawned this shit apple tree, as they say, <laughs> was that Gerald Briscoe saw Headbanger Mosh's like driving license or his passport or whatever, and his little photo on it, he was all kind of like, oh, you know, a little like big smile, on his dorky face. face. He's like, yeah. oh, you look like Beaver Cleavage, <laughs> you know. Apparently, that was a little in joke with Jerry Briscoe, and like, oh. and somehow it filtered its way up, it's and just- someone was like. He looks like what in his passport photo? Get me creative on the horn. If there's one thing, if there's one place that gimmicks should never come from, it's in jokes. Mm. Seriously, it, that's how it started. It was a little. I'm joke really trying Briscoe. to think of like because I mean, there's ca- I mean, countless gimmicks that have just been kind bad of, news. Barrett quite recently <laughs> clearly yeah. is an in joke that none of us have been let in on. <laughs> I'm sure somewhere Michael Hayes is pissing himself every time he sees bad news. Barrett decorum, please. <laughs> I don't know if uh, Beaver Cleavage is uh, on the same level of Bad News Barrett, but what's most interesting about this is that never before has there been a gimmick where they kind of put a lot into it, because we got, you know, vignettes like this, you know, they had uh, the whole kind of setup thing with the black and white, they had the, you know, level, he had a, you know, a valet with the mother, they had the incest vibe. A lot of time into this. A lot of time into this. And then he debuted on Raw, you know, he came out, he was all black and white, and he had, you know, his mother with him, who she's, you know, obviously she's like this, like, fitness model who's like, you know, half his age, it's ridiculous. No, I think they could have, it could have been funny if they had kind of a... A plan? A plan, really, but it just Mm. kind of was like, hey, he looks silly, let's go out and do this. And the mother would do things like scold him when he used the ropes and all this stuff, and he would always, like, do a flashy move and then, like, try to put his head in her breasts and, you know, just weird shit like that. They did it for a week. And then they were like, okay, scrap this gimmick. It's yeah. it's awful. Thank now, God they did. What came from that was possibly worse than what this what? was originally planned. So yeah, he comes out, he's, he's meant to be a beaver cleavage, and like backstage, he's like, hey, beaver, you got a match coming up? He's like, yeah, I got a match coming up. And my mom's like, I can't do this, bro. I can't do this. You know, it's like, oh man, is it a shoot or oh, is it a work? Man. You know, I smell, this is like basically. What happens here is Vince Russo trying out what he was going to do for his entire run in WC. <laughs> is it real or is it a shoot? Like, who knows? So he comes out and then he's, he's just then he's Chaz because he's like, I'm not Peter Cleavage, I'm Chaz. I'm just some guy from New Jersey. <laughs> and then Mrs. Cleavage then became Marianne, his girlfriend. It's like, oh. yeah, we're just, you know, two kids hanging out. He would come out, he would wear, you know, smiley boxer shorts. Yeah, I remember Chaz. I remember Chaz. I loved his entrance music. Uh, my brother used this in uh, WrestleMania 2000 and refused to let anyone else use it. <laughs> Even Chaz. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, he, he had a unique look. I thought he was alright in the lower card guy. But then one week, Marianne comes out with Chaz and she's got a black eye. She's a black eye. Never, not, they didn't do a backstage thing or anything like that. And Jim Ross is on commentary, doesn't like kind of go, oh, she is hurt or anything like that. And he's wrestling the match, and all the time they cut back to Marianne every now and then. She's like, please, Chaz, no. No, Chaz, please. No, come on, seriously. And then a couple of weeks later, they did a thing where she had the cops come out and arrest Chaz for beating her. And then they did a thing a couple of weeks later again after that. And he said that, uh, she, she did it again, she tried to get the cops to to inter- to arrest him again, and they did a GTV backstage segment which, where Thrasher revealed that, oh, she made it all up, and that's how the headbangers got together. Now, we've had miscarriages, we've had, you know, abductions, kidnappings, a woman being effectively sold to another man by loss in a, in a match yeah. with Deborah and all that, but I've got to say, spousal abuse... 
as a way of getting an undercard guy over is possibly the most taste. Now that I'm really like, you know, I mean, you come across things and you're like, oh, this is the most tasteless thing ever and all that. But when you're kind of, as you're watching it, as you're progressing through it, as you're watching it sequentially like we are, sometimes you just realize, whoa, I had forgotten about this. And yeah. my God, that is tasteless. What are you doing? It's fucking head. How can you go from headbanger mosh to fucking beaver cleavage to Chaz? All these crazy, goofy gimmicks, and along the way, at any point, you're gonna kind of go, "Oh, they're gonna have to, you know, have a beating his girlfriend <laughs> thing in here." How does that? How does that click in? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just literally stunned because like, I, I well. knew none of this, and I just sat down thinking, like, "Oh, we're gonna get to talk about Beaver Cleavage in a minute." I wonder what Kevin's got to say about oh, Beaver wacky, Cleavage. Wacky stuff. I was not expecting that. It's like, fucking hell. It's like playing a Lego game, right? And then you're like two thirds of the way through, and the Lego figures start bleeding and screaming when they <laughs> die. It's like, whoa! How did we get here? This is not appropriate. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so there you go. And so you that's know, the legacy of Beaver that's Cleavage. That's the legacy of Beaver then. Cleavage. Never talk about that again. Fucking hell. I mean, it's just talk about a scary. I mean, Marsh obviously went back with the Headbangers. He was under contract for a little bit. You know, they got released. We'll see him flying through the rain for a bit. He did, you know, this wasn't the end of his career, but fuck me, that wasn't a scary couple of weeks. Jesus so Christ. Yeah, he really hey, yeah, champ, uh, can you just send Marianne down to makeup? We're going to give her a black eye and said you hit her. All right, see you out there. Have a good one. <laughs> That's insane. Christ. Moving on. we got Mankind coming out. Oh, hooray. Finally something. <laughs> Limping out. Good Lord. Left We're, his shirt and tie at home, it would seem. Yeah, he's uh, he's rocking the civvies. It's it's funny because, I mean, I think we've said around ten times, kind of go like, oh, you know, Mankind is on his way out now. But we've kind of we've reviewed a lot of show, a dense number of shows around a very short period of time, what with Smackdown and Backlash and this. Mm. So we keep on seeing injured I just one more night, Mick Foley, and it's very sad to uh, to see. I don't like seeing yeah, Mick it's very this hard. hard. To watch. He really needs surgery at the moment. So uh, Micker grabs the mic and cuts a bit of a promo. Talks about the game of kings, no touch ball or no hands ball, uh, football or soccer, as it's also known. Uh, and he, he drops a British bulldog reference. Yeah. As Mick Foley is talking, you know, pretty standard. You get you always get this promo at the UK pay per views. The kind of a hey, you know, we're in the UK, England. So, Bangers and chips, you know. Rainy weather. Cup of tea, governor. <laughs> Rain, rainy weather. Let's all have a crumpet. Immigration. Oh, no, that's, that's, uh, that's the, that's the start, didn't they? Uh, Jerry Lawler at one point on commentary goes, Oh, behave. Oh, God, I forgot about Austin Powers. Jesus that was Christ. a very shagadelic problem. Ah! <laughs> Mick Foley at one point says that he was not, he was told he's not allowed to say wanker. And yeah. somewhere off in Brooklyn, Taz just kind of wakens from slumber and goes, <laughs> "Who's that? Like a goof?" <laughs> uh, even Mick isn't great tonight. He's a little off. Yeah, I mean, his I, mic skills are just iffy. I mean, I thought, as you thought as well, because I mean, they said at the top of the hour, we're getting badass Billy Gunn versus Mick Foley. Yeah. So we're thinking, okay, here comes badass. Then he just puts the pro the microphone down, Leaves. and walks away. Yeah, he just came out just to do that little promo. Just wanted to tell you what he thought about England, basically. Do you think they're killing time? Do you think? Who knows? <laughs> All right, I feel bad about what, how I've described this here in my notes, but uh, the WWF chat with some cretins. <laughs> they, they do, though, seriously. <laughs> cretins is the word. Shaman Man is the number one. He's totally ruthless, and he don't care about anyone but himself. And he's good, and he's going to make it into a new era. He's young, he's got good ideas. I think Shaman Man is just false. I mean, he just, he just gets everybody else to do his fighting for him. I think Vince should 
get back in the old boots again. We treating Vince and the rest of his family is just disgusting. Vince should just kick his ass. Image over threat, I'd love for Hunter to win. He's the number one. Triple H will win. I, I don't want to be harsh to the, uh, the WWF UK 90s fans, but Jesus Christ. Unwashed masses. <laughs> and again, I'm coming back from that going, killing time, lads. <laughs> Seriously, it's been about what? 10 minutes since we had a match? I know. They're taking and ages. It's, they're really taking their time. But don't worry, guys. It's time for one of the marquee matches. The Big Red Machine, Kane, versus the all-seeing entity, Midian. Now, the only thing I've got written down here, um, you want to just confirm this, it says, Dear Future Adam, you're probably recording the podcast right now and struggling to find anything to say about this match. Helpful reminder, it's not very good. <laughs> uh, you're going to have to take the reins on this one, I think, Kevin. Well, we got a nice big pop for Kane at the start, which mm. was nice. Um, Kane is over. Actually, I meant to say, yeah, Kane, from what I remember, he looks fucking badass here yeah like, we, we were talking about this he's sort of lost a lot of weight now at this point and he's got a lot leaner and like a, a lot more just muscularly defined he looks like a legitimate monster now. it helps as well that since um the start of the year where they've moved him away from austin and taker and mankind he's now working with x-pac a lot and also yeah. you know, with midian kane looks a lot bigger than he's ever done because he's obviously with working small with smaller guys, guys yeah which you get to finally get like because i mean you get Taker, Vader, you know, all big, big, What's massive the point lads. In being a big guy? So, I mean, you can really guys. get a sense of his size now, which is great. Now, one thing which, uh, I mean, I was as good a time as any to talk about it. Jerry Lawler just goes, oh, Kane, that big red retard. Now, this is not the first time that they've just dropped that ore bomb right there. This is a weekly thing, if I remember uh, rightly. I mean, you know, watching on the Raws, you know, Triple H calls him a big red retard. Rock calls him a retard. Um, you know... I it's it's kind of hard one. I'm, I'm not a man. I'm not, I'm not big on you know censorship or anything like that. Mm. But all I can say is that over this neck of the woods and over in the UK anyway, that word is not cool. It's really not on. Oh, like, I know you, over you, you in can't America. Get away with saying that. In America, it's different because that was used in his medical terminology for you know a lot long. You know, it was used up until recent memory. Let's just say mm. I don't know the exact time, so it was still used as an actual word. But over here it wasn't. But I think it's funny that they go out of the way to like kind of, oh, 36 stone and, you know, fish and chips being all like culturally relevant. And then they're just going to go, hey, look at these retards over here. Yeah. I mean, you know? I, I get the feeling that in the 90s, people didn't really care about saying retard in the UK. It was only like in the past 10 years or so. That no, I mean, I, I, well, I mean, I suppose I was obviously in Ireland at that time. And yeah. that word was really, really frowned on. That was up there. Like, that was just like. The only people who seemed to be saying that at the time were schoolyard bullies and the yeah. WWF. It was if you said that in class, you know, in in school, for example, mm. that would be like a call your parents thing. That was like it was a right, big okay. fucking deal where I was. So I mean, I don't know. It's it's just it's either weird. way, it's not on, and I don't appreciate you talking about one of my favorite wrestlers that way, Jerry. Yeah, so it's, uh, please cut it out. It's just weird, I and mean, you get it. You get it all through the Attitude Era. Mm. You know, it's it's just weird. Kane beats the absolute bejesus out of Midian, at one point hitting what I refer to as the spitting clothesline. <laughs> we talked there, obviously, you know, Midian being a smaller guy, making Kane look bigger and, mm. you know, more imposing and all that. But fuck me, just Kane makes Midian look so bush league by comparison. Pathetic, it, yeah. I was trying to put my finger on it for some time, though. What is Midian's ring attire? I don't realize what it is. It's like my dad's Sunday loungewear. <laughs> 
Like an old Bob Dylan t-shirt and a pair of loose <laughs> pants. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just literally imagining your dad dressed as Midian. Right? Well, like, that's... <laughs> drawings on his head. <laughs> With the exception of the drawing. But it just looks like Midian's going to get all the Sunday it, papers. It is far too casual, isn't it? For Might have his breakfast at 11. Doesn't he know? even wear sneakers as well? Or <laughs> like that? He's, he's so casual. He looks he looks, he looks, looks far too comfy to be an all-seeing entity, is all I'm saying. Uh, Jim Ross as well, during while Midian's getting his ass whipped, just says, Midian is in a big, big... Problem situation here, folks. Come on, Jim. Everyone sucks tonight, Come really. On. Like, no one is safe from the fucking jet lag, it would seem. Guess what happens, Adam? The corporate ministry. Oh, God. Now, what's great is the acolytes come out. They're all like storming to the ring like, oh, shit's going to pick up. And then we get a light jog from Viscera. Kind of... I, what I thought was the best thing is that the acolytes should have got on him like a space hopper. And just... <laughs> You know, bounce across. That's but, what Viscera is. He's a mode of transport. Lads, who's a genius in the back? Who's the agent or producer going to go, you know what? He's had a 10, 15 minute match. Why don't you run out of the ring, Viscera? You'll <laughs> have a fucking heart attack. Well, what happened is... He'll explode. He'll, Black goo will go everywhere. He'll have a heart attack at ringside, land on the floor, belly up, and then the acolytes can bounce off of him like a trampoline to get like into Sin the Cara, ring. Like Exactly, of. yeah. But uh, Viscera squashes Kane. And in, again, we've got the entire corporate ministry out again. This yeah. is like the third time. And they're not even like, it's not even like they're trying to cheat to win. They're just like coming out and knowingly disqualifying themselves. They're just interfering and beating him up. They're not even trying to be clever or anything. This is the kind of thing that they should have been doing on that SmackDown episode when they kind of, you know, could have, you know, to put them in compartmentalized, over. put them over. If they did one beatdown like this at the yeah. end of that SmackDown, they would have been fine. But now we're getting like a million irrelevant beatdowns. Too late now. And in a very strange moment, Xbox appears and Seven guys run from the ring. Now the he scares ho- them all off. I mean, I love Xbox. I mean, oh I, yeah, he's I used great. to. I I mean, up until like, a couple of years ago, Xbox was on my like most hated wrestlers list. Really? I really, I just, I was caught up in Xbox heat, I suppose you could mm. say. But I mean, he's a guy. Like, there's a number of guys now we've kind of gained an appreciation oh, for yeah. over the podcast, and Xbox is definitely one of them. But his whole gimmick is being an underdog. Yeah, and, he's you know, a scrawny little guy. He's not, he's not a guy who's going to send Viscera, the Acolyte, Bradshaw, you know, yeah, all these guys going, oh shit, look out, guys. He was he right, uh, you know, a hundred pounds soaking wet with a brick in his pocket. <laughs> Shane's got the old microphone. Again. And, um, time for a Shane McMahon promo. And, uh... Two down. Well, you, you say two down. Go. You lost that match. The corporate ministry lost that match by disqualification because you're too fucking stupid to try. I harder. think what qualifies as a win in yeah. Shane's mind. What being scared off by X Pac. He's just got a crossword, right? He's doing the crossword puzzle and he's just like written all, scribbled all over. He's like, yes, we won. <laughs> and you better change your strategy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to punctuate every shame. At my I've noticed. Now. Yeah. I've- yeah. <laughs> So out of character for the man. Poor, I mean, Kane leaves and he goes past, as he's leaving, he goes past a man in the front row who is seemingly dressed as China. What's going on? What the hell's going on? <laughs> What's happening here? I don't know. I'm so scared and confused. We get a recap of Val Venus crashing a uh, evening gown contest, which was Sable versus Deborah. Sable, of course, had held the women's title for a long time, had not defended it since WrestleMania. So Commissioner Shawn Michaels consulted the WWF rule book. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the big bottle again. <laughs> the, uh, the two liter extra large rule book that they do on weekends. Uh, she got free coasters with a little glass. <laughs> but uh, he he instigated they had to have this match defending against Deborah. Sable uh, gets Nicole Bass to strip Deborah, but it was a swerve because Shawn Michaels is like, 
I like breasts. As far as I'm concerned, the rules don't matter. <laughs> He's just making it up. He's oh, like, so, so Deborah loses the match, and then Shawn Michaels is like, nah, 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 she won. Give it, her the belt. It's opposite rules, and she wins. So Deborah wins. I, I, you know what? I, 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 you know, I got a couple of female friends who are wrestling fans who are like, you know, always try their hardest to kind of look on the bright side of female wrestling because it's it's been a rocky road for them. They've had really amazing moments, and then in recent years, it's really fucking fallen off the edge of the earth. But they they seem to be getting back to with something now with the likes of AJ and NXT. But could you imagine? Being like, you know, a teenage girl or young adult female at this time, and this is what you were yeah, being given. This is what you have to look up to. It would put you, it surely would put you of off. Of course wrestling. it would. It's so rinky Of dink. course it would. So Sable coming out. Now Sable is heel. Now, yeah. I don't know if you know if Sable is heel, but when I say heel, she's heel in the old school way, you know, the old school Harley Race, Buddy Rogers way. She's got a pair of sunglasses now. <laughs> Sable cuts a promo. The man who came to see me. I wrote down she sounds like a disingenuous Butlins host. <laughs> so Sable is defending the title against Tory. God damn it. It's the rematch of the century. Ugh. But uh, yeah, no, Sable explains on the microphone that she is sick because, you know, it's so crap here in England, basically, that you've made her sick. Harsh mm. glare, the British spotlight. Etc, etc. This just goes against Michael Cole's theory that the more pop, the more famous she became, the more beloved she became. Because she's quite famous now, and everyone seems to think she's a fucking... Everyone idiot. fucking hates her. Yeah. So, um, Sable says that she's got a, a, an illness. She's not going to wrestle. Nicole Bass will wrestle in her... What?! Yeah! Nicole Bass versus Tory. <laughs> I can't handle this anymore, Kevin. This pay-per-view is so bad. Don't worry, we've got a silver lining though, because after Sable doesn't even stay around a ringside, Sable cuts her promo and then leaves for four years. <laughs> Woo! Get out of here, ghost. Get out of here, ghost. And he's left. She's gone at last. You want to talk about a moment? Oh my God, oh, man, guys. That's it. She's gone. As far as it's I'm, over. As far as I'm concerned, this pay-per-view will never get the stamp of the worst show we reviewed. Solely because it has finally allowed us, <laughs> yeah. finally enabled us. Someone send a raven to Billy Cable. Let him know the good news. <laughs> oh, it's over. She's done. She's gone. A dark curse has been lifted from the WWF this day. And, you know, like most people, you know, when they leave, you know, after you're know, working somewhere nice, you know, they may be leaving you know, a bouquet or, you know, basket or a hamper you know or, or a nice card send a card around everyone to do a sign on it you know, yeah. Sable leaves the greatest parting gift of all a sexual harassment lawsuit which she files against the WWF hey, I'm grateful for everything you did for my career do you think she was right about doing the uh, doing a sexual harassment lawsuit? Well, I heard it was a load of bullshit, wasn't it? It was. It got yeah. thrown out. Well, that's all we need to know. Uh, know then. <laughs> yeah, she went on to do amazing things like pose and pay Playboy again and appear in Relic Hunter. Ooh. I forgot about the existence of Relic Hunter until this second. Sable would return to WWF in 2003, 2004, mm. in a very, very odd moment where she basically became even more of like a reprehensible kind of a, uh, you know, sex object character. And she was involved in several long, unedited scenes of her just groping Vince McMahon and making out with her 
Very, very, very strange. Sable would then go on to marry, of course, Bork Lesnar, who, in a very touching moment in his autobiography, Death Clutch, tells the tale of how he broke into her house to demand that she go out with him after she filed a restraining order against him. Fucking hell, what a complicated life. How long were they together? Like... Up until Who? when? Uh, Sable and Brock. They're still together. They're, They're got... still together. No, now. that and just so you know, that romantic, you know, game of chance, that opening gambit, it worked. Oh my god, they're still together. As in breaking into her house and breaking the terms of a peace bond, won her heart over. That's amazing because I've always joked about when Brock Lesnar beat, uh, I think it was Frank Mir, and then after yeah. he goes, "I'm gonna go home and fuck my wife." Yeah. He was talking about Sable. He was talking about Sable. That poor guy. That's who he's going home to. Is yeah. Sable? Jesus Christ. We're talking about Sable. She's had. At both ends of the spectrum, Mark Merrow and Brock Lesnar. <laughs> what a co- what complicated men she's. she She doesn't have a type, it would seem. It, it seems not. In terms of the match itself, very straightforward. Tori, as we all know, can't wrestle a fucking lick. Nope. Nicole Seabass chokes Samzer, wins. That'll be it. And I do believe this is the last time we'll see Nicole Bass as well. Thank Christ. But I think Nicole Bass, you know, didn't really make much of an impact. Uh, Nicole Bass was just, again... You feel sorry for the women in many respects, mm. in that if you, you know, if they were in any other company at any other time, you think they would have had a bit of a chance. Even a year later, you know, Tori actually goes oh, on yeah, to the, become the, quite an important character. The women's scene is a lot better next year. Um, but just wow, fucking hell! Just a really from top to bottom, the women's division just it's grim, grim at this really point. Really grim. Coming up next, it's a rematch from WrestleMania. Yes. This was actually, our, my, I think, my match of the night at WrestleMania. And it might have been one or yeah, two of ours as well. Yeah. And an outstanding matchup between these two at WrestleMania. X-Pac and Shane McMahon colliding again for the European Championship. Starting off here, nice promo package. Awesome promo. Let's take a listen. It's an awesome promo package. We're untouchable, you know what I'm saying? We were the king of the town, and Mac Daddy was no one to be messed with. Hang on a minute there. <laughs> Wait uh, a sec. Hang on. Wait a minute. You've uh, you've only gone and used the same fucking promo. You know, I haven't made the mistake here. No, no, no. no. It's, it's not it's your editing. D- WWF. They've literally, they copy and pasted the WrestleMania promo and then bolted on a really low quality bit of the other like, And now they are going to fight at no mercy. <laughs> and it's really important. Because it looks at the end, it's like, who will win at WrestleMania? Da-da-da-da-da-da. At WrestleMania, they had him. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, so crap. And like, even everything from like, just the the filter that they use even, is just like slightly different. It's yeah. so... It just, they tacked. haven't matched it at all. It's, I've, I've seen extensions... In, in my hometown back home in Ireland that have been made by fucking farmers for their houses that are more fucking well put together and seamless <laughs> than this. Good lord, this is a treehouse of a promo right here. <laughs> Still though, Shane versus X-Pac, getting excited. Backstage, Mickey C is with Shane O'Mac. He's got two words for you. Here's a guess. Do you, uh... Is it No Mercy? Yeah! It's no Mercy, isn't it? Yeah. No yeah, Mercy. Right. Shane just looks so tired here. So tired. He looks like he's about to fall asleep. Like I've, got, I've got no mercy for you. This is pre-match. This is him before he's even done anything. You know what I thought it was? It was that now that he's joined the corporate ministry, it's like, you know the when people um, like join the Sith? 
they they kind of they go all pale or like in Fable when you become a baddie yeah, you, go you go all, all pale, pale and, and like evil looking like a King of the Rings Shane's gonna have all like red tattoos really and horns long black nails coming out of his hands no, mate, he's just fucking green crackered he's just ill he's just really really unwell yeah so we start things off X-Pac attacks Shane in the middle of his entrance and then does his pyro which leads me to believe that Shane missed his cue I think so this is going to be uh, interesting Shane takes a hellacious spill it was the only rewind moment I think of the whole yeah, night no, he, uh... Shane goes flying over that top rope because like normally when someone flies over the top rope, like you can, I, I don't know the way to describe how this is different to a regular over the top rope. It's just because he's, he he clears the top rope. That's like, the thing. Like normally you grab, the top grab rope it or, or you grab it on the way over. He literally flies a good meter over the top yeah. rope and then crashes onto the floor. It's horrible. X Pac, of course, has the clear advantage in this match because you know X Pac. I don't sleep, bro. <laughs> jet lag. What is jet lag to this man? You know, <laughs> just another party. He doesn't know the meaning of the word. Shane takes a powder, tries to leave, and then the Stooges, Patterson and Briscoe, appear and attack him. A face to. Yeah, no, the Stooges had been fired by Shane because he's like, it's the new, the new corporate ministry. There's yeah. no room for the old, and he fires Pat and Jerry, and Patterson was like. You know, I changed your diapers when you were growing up. It was really a great use of the Stooges, and mm. it made them really endearing, and now they're kind of quite over his face. I like that. That's cool. They, what they didn't have was a very se- a series of very entertaining matches on Raw involving the Stooges and the Mean Street Posse, which actually at one point, one of the matches those guys had, even though, like, Posse weren't trained to wrestle, mm. Pete Gass and Rodney, they weren't trained to, to wrestle. Mm. And they're fighting, like, two old-timers, who, of course... We're masters of the mask, yeah, but obviously, like, you know, fucking 40 years ago, whatever. Yeah, Russ now. But uh, they got one of the highest rated segments in Raw at the time. Was How? It's because it was insane. You turn <laughs> over, it's two fucking old men beating up two preppy kids from Greenwich. <laughs> Amazing. So China then appears, and she absolutely batters the bejesus out of the Stooges, because they groped her at one point, I suppose. It's only a little receipt for that. A little receipt for that. Slams X-Pac into the ring post, and then we get Shane on offense. And I have to say, it's only been two months since WrestleMania, and mm. already you can see Shane has added to his repertoire he's clearly been training improved I mean given how tired and sleepy the man must be yeah. clearly unwell he gets in a lot of legitimate offense he's, like, it's, it's not like he's, he's improved so much so quickly and it's not like he's only getting X-Pac by being sneaky he's actually fighting X-Pac and putting up a bit of a, a, a good fight against him he's actually wrestling it's really yeah. good uh, we got an amazing two counts with X-Pac kicking out and then Triple H appears and again now we're just having every match on the card is ending with this Bullshit. With this bullshit, yeah. like, you know, Xbox attempts a Bronco Buster, but China blocks him. And then we get a pedigree on Xbox. Shane McMahon wins and retains the European title. And that's that. Shane does the Bronco Buster yeah. on Xbox. And then Kane appears. Again, it's just like, it, guys. Repeat, repeat. It's just lather, rinse, and repeat. Everything. Reminds me of Irish whip wrestling from back in the day. Fucking six lads backstage. Everyone would interfere in everyone's match, and then everyone would interfere in everyone else's match. Just yeah. keep using them. Keep We've a stream of lads coming out. A limited number of guys going here. So, yeah, everyone leaves. Just Yay. before Shane leaves, we get another one of the. I mean. Billy's normally the guy to pick up on signs. I'm not as good at it as um, he is. But this is the uh, other sign I noticed tonight. It just says simply, Shane is a bitch in like (laughs) massive letters. I mean, fucking huge. Good Lord. Yeah. Now Shane, of course, goes on to leave the European title in the trash. Where it belongs. Where Midian finds it. So the next time we see that belt... That's how Midian gets a hold of it, is he finds it in the trash. Now you want to talk about a moment that to truly like... 
you know, it, for them, they were probably just kind of going, oh, how do we get the belt off Shane? Oh, just leave it in the trash. But I don't think they realized how damaging that was because Shane was one of the most over heels at the time. They really could have made that European belt seem very prestigious mm. had they done a thing where someone finally gets the belt yeah, off. Yeah, if, if he'd have kept it for ages and no like, one could get um, it from him. They go on to do with Stephanie and the women's belt. They did a yeah. really good job there. Of like, finally, you know, this belt comes back and then it becomes more prestigious because you get it from someone who you know shouldn't have it. And it's real competition again when it's back in the normal roster. Though. But, uh, I mean, this was a belt that was very competitive, you know, at the start of the podcast. Yeah, Owen Hart, Triple H. Triple H, D-Lo, X-Pac, a yeah. lot of guys vying for it, and then no one seems to care about it. Bit of a shame. What a tragedy. Cut another promo! Three down, one to go! And Triple H says, You're ours, Austin! Ours! <laughs> no mercy. That is what is no mercy. I'm so, um, just exhausted by this. It's so shite. Jet lag, mate. <laughs> We cut back to uh, ringside. Jerry Lawler and uh, Jim Ross running any events. Uh, Jerry touches a child in the art. Yeah, uh, right. Okay, come on. Now I know that I know that wasn't an accident. You worded that specifically. He touched a child. He did. He did touch a child. That is correct. Yes. Yeah, no, th- that is touch a fact. tactile physical contact. He. That is a fact. Jerry Lawler touched a child live on pay per view. That is. That is true. But you are wording. Oh man, that, out of context. That you, is so. You are wording it in a way to make it sound ruder than it is. <laughs> Saying. Explain yourself. All right, behind Jerry while they're doing the thing, there's a kid. He's making faces and he's being all, you know, he's he's having a go. And then Jerry turns around, like, "What is going on here?" And he touches him. Please just explain it. His hand. He gets his hand and he just places it on the child. He pretends to poke the kid's eyes with his two fingers. He just goes like that and pretends to get him. That's that is how Jerry touches him. Little twinkle in his eye. Just explain it further next time something like that happens. (laughs) I think he touches them later on again. He, he is a repeat offender for touching <laughs> children. <laughs> Backstage, Mickey C is with Mankind, who assumedly didn't get everything off his chest he wanted to say in his Apparently ten, not. In his ten <laughs> minute in ring more segment. to say. Mankind is like, Bleh, and then he gets hit immediately. It's like, I'm going to punch Lenny in the back of the head tomorrow. <laughs> like, <laughs> corporate ministry attacks. G. It's almost as if they don't want Foley to compete tonight. Almost. And Taker assaults him with a plastic primary school chair. It's generally like a little kid's yeah. suit. It's terrible. Just get a fucking folding one. So we got Billy Gunn taking on Mankind now. Billy Gunn, of course, is now effectively split, it seems, from the New Age yeah. Outlaws. They have, like He's really going his own way. They uh, they're He's trying to pursue singles career. Mm. Um, so they obviously haven't had a big blow-off match or anything. It's just kind of Billy wants... One, he's more competitive he's just now, going his own way yeah. going his own way and because of that we get his sweet ass new music cause I'm, I'm an ass man, man. <laughs> oh my god I love this fucking thing one of my favourite songs in wrestling can't believe it took this long for him to finally get yeah, it yeah I know I could have sworn it was around from the start of the Asher Dura but highlights in the lyrics include so many asses so little time <laughs> To do what? He loves to love them. He loves to pick them. He, he loves, loves to, to shove them. <laughs> he loves to stick them. Whatever that means. And I'm going to lick them. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I love this. Uh, the whole gimmick now is that Billy Gunn was becoming enamored with his own ass. We had a GTV segment on Raw at one point where there was a lady shaving his ass and she finds a zit on his ass. And Billy Gunn says, if you ever tell anyone you saw zit on my ass, you'll never have the pleasure of shaving my ass ever again. (laughs) What did I just say? There's a sentence. So Billy Gunn, of course, immediately shows the the weakness, I suppose, in this whole package. Because I think... 
he is in terms of look, in ring style, just the athleticism. He is the fucking like almost ideal wrestler. Yeah, he's the perfect wrestler. He's but, got the bleach blonde hair. Yeah, I like, got a fucking great like tanned. Uh, he looks. Strong he's like body. Lex Luger, but fucking coordinated. Yeah, a talented Lex you know? Luger. Because Lex Luger looked like a million dollars, but was like a fucking donkey wrestling yeah. when he was going. But uh, Billy Gunn is great. But man, he cannot cut a promo. No. Example right here. All right, it seems that Mister Ass has had a little change of heart. But that's okay, because I'm just that damn good. Now, now if you're not down with that, I've got just two words for you. Are those the words? Suck it. And Jim Ross says he's got a badass personality. See what you did there, Jim. So we get the music uh, hits and all of a sudden it's like, all right, time for Mick Foley to come out. But he got uh, attacked. Nowhere to be seen. Tony Chimble announces Mankind is Mankind. But, but he doesn't come out. Yeah, no, no Mick. But it's almost as if they're killing time. Well, no, because I mean, Mick's just not going to turn up. If if Mick did turn up in two minutes. Like, hang on, then. let's give him a full minute before we decide. Yeah. Billy, of course, now wants to win by a forfeit, but then Mick Foley's music hits again. Oh, so they were killing time! They were. They were. Kind of nullifying that, uh, well, I think it right. Obviously, they did the whole thing, they attacked him backstage, right? Mm. Mick is hurt. We, he is actually hurt. Yeah. The whole thing, attacking him backstage. He's already been out in front of the fans, so we got to see him. I'm thinking, alright, this is just a quick workaround yeah he'll pin him the one, fans two, have three. seen him and you know they'll go home <laughs> but no limpy Mick Foley goes right on the attack on yeah. offense Mr. Ass targets the knee they just go and they have this big fucking brawl on the outside mm. it's like why even run that angle yeah if on a fucking UK pay-per-view now I'll be I'll be legitimate here I thought this as I said was the angle was done so that this could be an excuse for it to be a short match and give Mick an out, but instead it just seems to be an excuse for a slow and dull match, and it's really not. It's just, unnecessary. It just why did they even bother doing it then? It's really sad when you just see Mick Foley lying outside near all these fu- all these wires are fucking everywhere. They ran out of mats, it seems. Yeah. There's a big mess of wires. Foley's just lying there. Like, clearly in actual pain, and just a million air horns going... Eh. Yeah, that, the, the air horns really got to me at this point now, because we're like a good hour and a half into this, and I'm really fucking tired of watching it. I can't well, how do you think f- the fans feel? Exactly, I mean, yeah. You, know, I you paid you know, 50 dollars for this. But, I mean, the fans are the ones making it fucking worse with all the air horns and everything. I mean... I get that you're bored, but Jesus Christ, you're making it so much worse. I, you see it all the time. I mean, you see it now when, like, fans seemingly sabotage shows, but if you, you, mean, if you give them what they came to see, they'll never do that. I mean, yeah, you know... They, I, I I sympathize with fans that start doing that when they're presented with the same old shit. I mean, mm. they've been given four run-ins. And then, like, five, five Shane, Shane McMahon, McMahon promos. <laughs> and they said no mercy a hundred million times. Yeah. I mean, come on, like... And when you're at this point in the night, it's obvious that, okay, no... It's not going to get any better. No one's going to come and save the day. Yeah. Like, this is it. So Mankind actually mounts a comeback. Grabs a chair, hits a double-arm DDT, goes for Socko, but then Billy Gunn hits a pile driver on the chair. Oh. Like, Mick doesn't need to be doing no, this. it is unnecessary. Just unnecessary risk. And I don't like as well, they're kind of like, oh, Billy Gunn has to use the chair to beat Mankind. Mankind is, like, injured, he's hurt. He's, mean, he's been fucking sabotaged and assaulted earlier. You know what you could say on commentary to give Mick Foley an out? You didn't even have to do the backstage angle. You could go, hey, do you know this, in the past six months, this man has fallen off the hell in the cell, mm-hmm. had that real Royal Rumble I quit match. You know, just, like, he's, he's been through hell in the, the past six months. Fans will understand, but I can't help but think this is partly 
Mick kind of going I wouldn't be surprised no the fans want to see this yeah and you know Mick is a fool unto himself doing stuff like this he gets the pile driver on the chair which the referee and obviously the bellkeeper think is the finish because they can't he kicks out at two but they ring the bell oh, such a fucked up finish and then they do a famous on the chair right after and then he beats and him and then he beats him and I'm just like it's really soured on me just because you know as a Mick Foley fan I think anyone even casual fans is automatically drawn to Mick Foley because he's such a charismatic mm. and like he just seems like a nice fucking dude and he just they spoils the match in that you can't kind of go oh Billy Gunn he's one to watch out for because you're just kind of like oh fucking poor Mick exactly it, it's, it should be a moment where it's like oh my god Billy Gunn pinned Mankind that's fucking big deal but it's not it's just Billy Gunn beat Mankind in a really sad slow boring match yeah it's really it's just Tedious. it's upsetting to see really but you know as I said Mick Foley is taking time off now I swear you know he's getting that surgery <laughs> and uh, Tony Chimmel says here is your winner Bad Billy Gun. I've got Bad Billy. Because obviously we were talking about retard earlier. Obviously, ass is quite a rude word obviously, in England as yeah. well. So he didn't want to say ass in front. I of wish they called crowd. him Bad Arse Billy Gun. Bad Arse Billy. Gunn. If they went to Ireland, we get some uh, extended hype for the British Bulldog. Uh, a little bit of foreshadowing. I believe at this time that the Bulldog had actually been signed. It was all official, now, was it? And I believe this was their kind of way because obviously Manchester was, was British Bulldog's hometown. Mm. Uh, a lot of you know just kind of saying, oh, he's you know he's injured, but he's on the way back. He's one of the hottest free agents there is. You won't be seeing him tonight. <laughs> you won't be seeing him tonight. But um, Bulldog had had a kind of an interesting you know thing obviously happened to him before the Attitude Era. Himself and Jim Neidhart obviously were part of the guys who walked out of WWF and went straight to WCW with Brett following Montreal. Mm. And I do believe Bulldog and Jim Neidhart spend most of their time in WCW taking all their money and building little forts out of stacks of cash and throwing bags of money at each other didn't appear on TV with, uh, with the genius's special guest referee <laughs> as all these lads who are given like 500 grand a year to sit at home and maybe wrestle once or twice unbelievable you'd see Neidhart and Bulldog now and then appear on Thunder or whatever I mean you just I mean we, we reviewed a Neidhart Bulldog match obviously part of the own heart tribute yeah they were big stars they but both just work. again it's just like do you ever have that friend when you're growing up a rich friend who got like all the fucking Power Rangers or all the Street Sharks and he wouldn't even be using didn't big, even play with them he wouldn't even be using big Slamu like <laughs> he, just, he just had him for shits and giggles I may as well have that toy it's sad as well because Bulldog how he got injured was, was ridiculous only in WCW Bulldog had one of his few matches of the year was walking to the back and he had all these problems as well with drugs and fucking steroids and mm. back problems and they had built a special trap door for the ultimate warrior to appear underneath because obviously warrior October 98 came back for his car park match with Hulk Hogan I don't like where this is going and uh, yeah no Bulldog fell into the uh, trap door Jesus injured his back cause they, because the fucking big wigs the producers and agents didn't think to tell them the guys there's a fucking trap there's door there's a fucking trap door maybe watch it so I mean how can you be that stupid I think partly of this was just kind of like WCW were like oh he's injured we can't afford to pay him anymore for his couple of appearances WWF sign him but the Bulldog we get is not the bulldog it's, I mean he's a shell of his former self it's like he's, will, will we get to see him on pay-per-view will yes. we get a chance to talk about him yes, still yes okay. he'll, he, he'll actually have a few uh, main, he'll have a main event match actually at one point okay look forward to that yeah it's sad but anyway it is time for our main event Triple H Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker in a no hold bars triple threat match for the WWF Championship What an evil, destructive group led by The Undertaker and 
Triple H. Tonight, Stone Cold Steve Austin defends the WWF title against Triple H and Hang on. Wait a Again! Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> seriously now. Just wait one cotton picking minute. Did they just seriously? They did. Use the same promo they used an hour and a half earlier. Yep. Because we'll have forgotten about it by now. You know, it's in the past, so they can get away with using it twice. That you is shocking. lazy pricks. I can't believe you didn't even have the time to make a little promo package for the main event. Mayhem in Manchester in Capital Mayhem Carnage. in Manchester did better than... Mayhem in Manchester did better than this. Oh my goodness. Christ! Wow! Wow! Triple H comes out to... To complete silence. <laughs> yeah, the crowd don't care anymore. Uh, Hunter Hearst Dreamer with his pay-per-view t-shirt. <laughs> Although we do get the debut of the instrumental version of My Time. Yes, we do. And so. no, we should also say this is the first time in the uh, Attitude Era that Triple H has been correctly referred to as Triple H in the UK. In the UK. No Triple Triple H or Hunter Hearst Hemsley this time. Obviously the curse has been lifted. Yeah, showing the rest of the pay-per-view is bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> we get all the guys coming out. It starts pretty hot outside. And, you know, the crowd are very happy to see Austin, obviously, at last. Um, obviously, they were smart in that they waited until the main event to bring him out. Didn't do a promo or the anything. The fans have seen Triple H and Undertaker yeah. multiple times already. So, I mean, yeah, we started really, really hot outside. Everyone going hell for leather. It's basically a handicap match early on with Taker and Triple H working over Austin. Big wet patch on the Undertaker's arse. I was going to say, as if the podcast hasn't already ruined my perception of the Undertaker already. Look at him. He's got a fucking big sweat patch on Sorry. his bum. To put on my angry video game hat here, I would ask a legitimate question, but did he piss out his ass? Uh, How do you get that? That's, I reckon it's sweat. I'm assuming that's just arse sweat. But like a perfect circle? Yeah, well, I, I, I didn't think too much about it, to be honest. I just saw a patch and thought, Unless yeah, the Undertaker's got one ass cheek that just rests right there like that, and like a cloaca or something like that, I assume. Any of you at home have got any ideas as to why the Undertaker might have had a perfectly spherical wet patch, then uh, please tweet in. Tweet in, let us know. It's uh, quite evident that the crowd are not enjoying what's being presented to them. I don't blame them, it's boring. Jim Ross, with the save of the century, goes, It's almost as if the crowd is hushed here from what they've seen tonight. Oh yeah, they're stunned into silence Because is what it is. they've seen the corporate ministry attack so much, I think they're just legitimately worried for Steve Austin. They're all just so disturbed by the interference angles they've seen tonight. Head to the ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin gets worked over to an air horn symphony. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime Austin gets any sort of advantage, the other guy, you know, Triple H will come to the save and all that. So it's a pretty pretty basic formula they're standing. I mean, triple threat matches with these guys. I mean, I've come to realize that triple threat matches, it takes a very specific kind of wrestler and a kind of style to make them engage to actually work and not have it yeah. to be one guy gets taken out and two guys work over and you know it's it's kind of silly uh, we do at one point get a very strange sight which distracted me for most of the match a lad in a yellow coat looking sad <laughs> who was that now before in Mayhem in Manchester we had four guys in yellow tops at the four corners of the ring now this well, time uh, the ring is in the four corners of the ring of side the, of the, sorry the barricade yeah. Yeah. yeah this time inside the barricade where you've got all the fans facing ringside, facing the fans is just this jaded old bastard in a yellow yeah. raincoat just going, oh. Where well, you'd normally have the, the crowd going right up to the corners of the barricade, there's a big cleared semicircle where there's one man just, and he's facing the crowd and the crowd are all facing him like they're watching him. 
and it's just I don't, it looks like he's being punished for something like this he looks it? like a security guard from Jurassic Park with his yellow uh, <laughs> his yellow top I felt on. really bad for whoever this man was it just must be so embarrassing I, I feel being bad for the people in the front row so you're going to be ringside not fucking to... mopey prick in a yellow coat side look over the shoulder of this yellow fat bastard you get, you get the, uh, over, the the overview of the, the seating thing and there's like a yellow dot to resemble the fucking <laughs> Egypt will be sitting there a very strange moment despite the fact that it's no hold bars Triple H goes to use a chair and Hebner is like no and you he can't do him. that now just to point out they went out of their way to say it's a no holds bar match right and Jim Ross is like oh this isn't fair now this triple threat match is a no hold bars match triple threat matches are already no hold bars yeah you match. can't win by disqualification because if one person hits him with a chair what happens what who wins what about the third guy yeah, yeah. they're always no DQ it's, it's ridiculous it, well they're but getting, then Austin just picks up the chair and it's Triple H. Earl Hebner playing favourites, that's what it is. Earl Hebner obviously is going to get a couple of shirts from Austin on the, on the, <laughs> on this sly. He's going to head down to the Covent Garden Market and start uh, <laughs> hawking them off later on. Undertaker goes for Triple H. Oh my goodness, dissension in the ranks. But again, as we said, not they haven't established... It's too early. Why are you doing this already? If we maybe had a month of Triple H Undertaker kind of like double teaming people or just kind of shown to be working on some sort of level because mm. dissension doesn't really work if the guys aren't really... No, you have to have yeah. be a team before you can start falling apart. Don't worry, lads. The night has been saved. At ringside, Paul Bear does a karate pose. What is going on? Why do you do that? Oh, yes. I was using this as an excuse to play the Chai Kingdom music. Because Irrelevant. There's no need to put that in. Did there. you see the pose on Paul Bear? He's doing all karate chops. Yes, yes, yes. It's all over for Daniel Sam. He's gonna gonna karate chop a fucking wedding cake, and he. <laughs> all I'm saying is, you know, if Bear is doing that in the main event, you know that no, there's a level of fuck it. Yeah, clearly anything goes here. No one cares anymore. Just do what you want, guys. Paul Bear just like goes in. Cool it, guys. We already got their money. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Kevin Nash kind of freaking oh. out here. Undertaker and Austin go out of this Triple H watches. Triple H nips in, gets the pedigree on Austin it seems, but Austin reverses it and then Triple H gets the choke slam! Choke slam! Well, it's the big show! That was the call of the century from Jim Ross right there. Okay, now it's time to start keeping track because someone mentioned to me on this on Twitter that this the name of this paper you could have been Knight of Stunners. Okay. Stunner on the Undertaker. Ding. Stunner on Triple H. Ding. Shane McMahon appears and the corporate ministry do as well. And then the brood Kane and Xbox come out and Mankind comes out. Then we get a stunner on China. Ding. A stunner on Triple H. Ding. A stunner to Shane. Ding. A Bronco Buster to Shane, Triple H, and China. Then Errol Hebner has a beer with Austin. <laughs> and then Shane and Triple H get a simultaneous stunner. Double stunner. Ding, ding. So how many is that in total then? I wasn't even keeping count. Fuck it. All right, let's count them <laughs> I literally up. lost count halfway through. Hang on, give us a sec, guys. Five, five, six, seven. Six. Oh, seven if you count. The double stunner is two. Do we, count, do we count the double stunner? The double stunner is two. Stunner All right, so we mine. get seven stunners. Seven stunners. And Earl Hebner gets a nice beer. Uh, so there we go. Uh, the, the image to send us all home is on top of the four corners. We got Austin. 
Uh, X-Pac though, which is nice. The X-Pac gets a little bit of a kind of a, a rub. So it's pretty cool here. seeing Austin and X-Pac celebrating together. And also, it's cool that the, you know, uh, it was cool that the Brew got involved in the main event. Yeah. And all that. But again, this this big schmoz thing fell flat on the crowd because they'd seen it several times yeah. already. There you go, Earl Hebner with a beer on the corner doing the Stone Cold sweary thing. Couldn't think of a more fitting image to end this. On. No mercy, 1999. <laughs> It actually made me long for Capital Carnage. Yeah, no, Capital Carnage. In the London, London arena. Capital, Capital Carnage was about a million times better than this. Because um, think about Capital Carnage, you had Vince doing his cool promo, which was entertaining. You know, it was yeah. crazy. You had just, you know, the weirdness of Vinnie Jones. You had, you know, it, you had all the stars were there. Because, you know, Triple H, Rock, Big, you know, everyone who was, who was a star was there. Here we've got a depleted roster. Every match ends in a schmoz. I think every match ends in a schmoz bar, yeah, um, right. bar Billy Gunn Billy and Mankind. Mankind but and they froze the finish on that anyway. Draws and Blackman. Was, uh, that's it. Everything else had, had schmozzes. And, I mean, the Capital Carnage as well at least had the sort of the thing where it's it's so bad it's good. Like, we found it funny because it was so confusing and ridiculous. This was a... This is just frustrating. I mean, honestly, people like say to us, like, oh, you guys sound like you have a blast recording a podcast together. And, yeah, record, this was a tough recording one. an episode is fun because you get to talk and, you know, make jokes and stuff. But watching this genuinely made me question what the fuck I'm doing on this podcast. And it was place. only two hours. Only two hours long. And the price. Felt like the longest two hours of my life, man. This is the worst thing I've watched so far. Yeah, I wouldn't. This is the one of the first times I will say, do not watch this pay per view. Don't bother. You've got nothing to gain from watching it. This is, you know, with the exception of getting to see Sable finally leave at last. This is, I would say, possibly the worst offering the WWF had at the time. Even that was disappointing, though, because I hated Mark Miro, and before he got thrown out at Capital Carnage, again... In the London, London Arena. Another reason to watch Capital, Capital Carnage. In the London, London Arena. (laughs) Is because, you know, he got his pants pulled down by Jacqueline. They kicked him in the balls, they gave him a Sable Bomb, a TKO. Sable just leaves. Sable says... She gets off scot-free. Sable says she's got a cold and then is never seen again. That's it. Imagine you're a really hardcore fans are like, Has Sable got tuberculosis? Like, what is going on? <laughs> like, there, it's like 2001. Maybe this will be the week Sable will come back from her cold. <laughs> there you go. Match of the night MVP. Not applicable I in this care, case. Yeah. I'll tell you what, match of the night goes to fucking Draws and Blackman for having the temerity to have a clean finish <laughs> on this pay-per-view. This was a train wreck of sleepy wrestlers and sleepy writers putting together a sleepy pay-per-view. What a fucking hideous show. And sadly, there's not really much in the way of kind of interesting, you know, weird shit that happened, like a capital crime and all that. nothing else to say, really. That's literally it. One thing I have to say about this, this was not emotional. No, not in the slightest. And you know what, you English, you'll take on anyone, but fuck me, you cannot take on this pay-per-view. <laughs> no one deserved this pay-per-view. And I, you know what, the next time, if they keep running pay-per-views like this, they'll come back and there'll be nothing but sloth, decay, and decadence. <laughs> with a Prime Minister of Pakistani you're, extraction. You're trying so hard to hang on to Capital Carnage, bless you. I, just... I am. This is Vince prophesized this. Do you want to go and watch Capital Carnage now to sort of make up for this? I think so. That might be it. <laughs> Alrighty, that's all I'm going to do it for this Bono episode of the Attitude Era podcast. Happy Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Have a crazy Kwanzaa and all that <laughs> yeah. Come on. I right, gotta quote Krusty when you can. Just to remind you, if you want to follow us on Twitter, at AE Podcast, we're closing in on 2,000 followers. Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast, where we have just passed 2,000 likes. Thank you so much, guys. It's been freaking amazing. I can't believe we passed 2,000. 
you're listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, on iTunes, make sure you subscribe, leave a rating or review on iTunes. That is a massive help to us. And also as well, if you are in the market for a wrestling scene, go over to callingspots.com. Issue number seven. It's fantastic. We got a little bit in there. We did a nice little art today for it. Gonna do some yeah. more going You'll be forward. seeing more of us in the future though. Interviews, reviews, news, artwork, it's great. If you're a wrestling fan and you're looking for a kind of something that match if you like this show, you'll like that. It's the same, same sensibility. Yeah. Definitely. So it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Goodbye from me, Adam. This was a fucking tough one. Have a nice Christmas, everyone. We'll see you in the new year with King of the Ring 1999. But for now, we'll catch you later on the Attitude Era podcast. Attempt <laughs> 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 <laughs>